Hey everybody! Howdy! I'm Alan. I'm Brent. And today is episode 53. Today is January 20th. Today is January 20th. Not if you're listening. If you're listening, don't go adjust your calendar. But we're recording this simultaneous with the presidential inauguration and the beginning of Alan's last day at work at Microsoft. Yes, and if we can record this and you can get it edited and out, perhaps people will have something amusing to do today. It's not going out today. <laughs> I'll tell you that. I have, I have crap to do all day today. We'll get back to that later. Maybe. Yes. I don't know. I, Busy I, day for Alan I today. tweeted this morning that I said, hey, Obama, I was watching the inauguration preparation this morning, and Obama has a staff to help him move out. I have a gym bag in my car. I'm hoping everything f- I have left fits in there. You have employees? I know. Yeah. Have you not really learned how to use these guys yet? Yeah, I know. <laughs> you thought I was a good manager. Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. By the way... I told you I submitted your connect. Not yet. I hit send in an hour. Oh, no, they're all done. I'm, I'm all done. Hey, uh, yep. this episode of A-B Testing. Big milestone. Why? What's the milestone? 53. Is it a prime number? It might be. <laughs> I try to stump the math major. I don't know. I have to have a calculator. 53, does it divide by... No. It, no. I think not. I think it's prime. Yeah, I'm looking forward to being 53. I haven't been a prime number in a while, age-wise. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, I don't know what's the milestone, but today's episode is brought to you by TechWell, the company that brings you the wonderful Star Conferences. Star Woohoo! And, and many other conferences. So we've talked about Star Conferences before. And uh, Star East is coming up, not coming up right away, but time to start making travel plans. It's in May. Where is it? It's in Orlando, the home of Harry Potter World and Disney World and many attractions. Orlando in May is a good time to be there. So that's May 5th to 12th. Um, and as our listeners know, Star East is a uh, one of the longest running and most respected conferences on software and testing. It's probably the biggest. I don't know of a software testing conference that has more people there. No. And one of the things that I continue to espouse, blah, something, say something about um, Star conferences. Preach. Preach. Preach is the word. Proselytize. Oh. So I'm looking at my cup of coffee, which is not empty enough for me to be on full, full Allen speed. But one of the biggest values you get from conferences is the networking and talking to people and talking to speakers. If you go to these conferences and just sit in the back of the – if you go to talks and just sit in the back and take notes, you're not getting the full value. You really need to talk to people and see what they're doing and get those experiences. The talks will give you plenty of good ideas on things you can do. But for me, the bridge between um, even the most experiential talk Taking that from something that you've listened and were motivated by to something you can do, that connection is often made just by talking to others. Uh, the Star East, uh, the, the Star Program, right? Uh, unlike other um, conferences we may have talked about on the AB Testing Podcast, the Star is paying attention to how the world is moving. So not only will you will you pick up and to help establish a network. And quite honestly, uh, 
if you have been in the industry, if you if you've been in the industry and you get to the 10 plus year milestone, if you haven't built up a network, you're really hurting your career. Uh, working on that network, getting associated with people who have similar likes and tastes in other companies grows your options. Going to Star is also going to help you be more valuable. It's going to help you understand and pick up the learnings of how uh, testing is done in today times, not 1993. Sure. There may be some 93 there, but not much. But the thing is, you can differ- You can learn to differentiate that. You begin to, if you get enough information, you begin to form your own opinions. One thing, uh, first, before we go any farther, I'll mention this again, but as usual, if you want to go to Star, we recommend it. Use the promo code ABTESTING. ABTESTING, one word. ABTESTING, one word. 200 bucks off. 200. You talk. You go to your boss. Say, I want to go to this conference. And he goes, yeah, and approves. And he goes, and I can get $200 off. Could I have that money for extra expenses and nice dinners and drinks? Try and work Upgrade that out. to first class, depending on where you're flying out of, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of different topics, uh, test automation, agile testing, which I'll talk about a little bit more in a minute, perf testing, leadership, more. And they also have the uh, – they've done this a couple times now, but a full-day bonus session on women in test, Yep, which I think is really cool. Oh, speaking of which, because uh, we do tangents, there is nationwide uh, women's march tomorrow. should be – I think it's like a million women in Washington, D.C. just doing a, a silent march down the walk, but down the, um, the, the mall. Uh, and then uh, there are – every city has these things just to support uh, – not just to support women, but but equal rights for everyone and some of the worries we have in the change in leadership and where some of those equal rights may go. And as the first day of my uh, one-week retirement and my nine-day retirement, I'm going to take place in the Women's March tomorrow. Where? Uh, it starts in Judkins Park in Seattle, in the Seattle one. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> Quick flight to Washington, D.C. Yeah, I'm like, really? We better hurry up this podcast. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. You're anyway, walking. I, I'm going to go do that and support uh, equal rights for everyone. Uh, I think it'll be largely women there, but I think uh, you know, people of all genders, races, it, it would be silly to have a, a, right, a walk for equal rights and then not al- exclude some people from attending. So there'll be several... Um, Men there as well. Uh, my son's going to walk with us. Whole family's going to go just to, um, I think it'd be a good experience for all of us. Back to Star, again, promo code AB testing. Lots of exhibitions, et cetera. Really, if you want to get like an onslaught of different ideas and testing, um, you know, I'm a big fan of the peer, the smaller peer conferences where you can have a lot of one to one discussions. Um, you can make those happen at Star, but the great thing about Star is if I want to suck in all kinds of information. It's a great place for that. And I'm, and we know that Lee also pays attention to other conference styles. Ab- absolutely, yeah. Right. Uh, the, Alan mentioned when he came back from Test Bash that Lee interrogated him on what was the positive and negative. So I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing some of those other aspects of those conferences fold into the start. I bet they would. Yeah, he wants to know um, – when he when he sees I like, go to a different conference, he goes, "Who was a good speaker? Who should I get for a star conference?" So he's always trying to upgrade and get some you know new blood in there. Wasn't it Star that because you were the one that introduced 
me to this concept. Wasn't it Star that introduced you to the concept of the lightning talks? Yeah, the lightning talks happen every time. I but it's yeah. not. I've been doing lightning talks for longer. Okay. Uh, but every every star they have one keynote session, which is all lightning talks, five minute talks, which I love. Uh, great way to one for people to get up and just get an idea across that maybe isn't appropriate for a full talk. But man, talk about onslaught of ideas. Uh, one thing, and star doesn't do this. Nobody does it. But when I've gone to conferences. Uh, Again, tangent. Uh, <laughs> I've always thought that that uh, the hour talk is a little too long. Some people, I would love Lots to go. Lots of science on that one. Is there really? Oh yeah, I would love to go to a conference full of half hour talks. Like the TED, or the, TED talk. For the TED minutes. talk twenty two minute wasn't just some number they pulled out of the air, right? There's research research behind that. So I. I'm waiting for that. Maybe Lee, if you're li- if not if when you're listening, here's something to consider. Maybe have one track that's all 22 minute talks, or do one day of the conference, or or a morning session where ever, all the talks are 22 minutes with an eight minute passing period. I think it would be very interesting. There's more structure to. The, to have you ever uh, looked this up? It's no. not just 22 minutes. Do I talk? do I look like someone who looks things up? Actually, I do. I know <laughs> you things up. Um, just not necessarily the same things I do. Um, <clears throat> there's a. I don't have the hard drive space for that. <laughs> By the way. Uh, not yet, but I sent you my, my computer specs. <laughs> for tangent number four, yeah. And uh, I ordered parts for my computer. A few upgrades from what you had and a few things I didn't get. I didn't get a RAID array of SSDs. Um, I got. One down the video card, which is fine. You got the like the super oh my god fast mega. No, there is one more better. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the coolness was not worth the price tag. I didn't get an M2. Um, I got the uh, the new Intel Kaby Lake processor, so a little faster processor. Okay, what'd you do for MB motherboard? Oh, I got um, an Asus Z270. So I like Asus. Um, Yeah, I like their buy. I. Uh, there's a lot of <laughs> tangent upon tangent <laughs> upon tangent. It's tangents all the way down. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I've I've, I've been an Asus user. And I, I decided to go with Asus because I'm used to it and I knew I know the bio. Well, well, you you mentioned Raidery. I didn't buy a Raidery. My motherboard already right, had but that, but I didn't buy like a whole bunch of uh, SSDs too. I array. just bought two really big ones, <laughs> and then I striped them. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so anyway, oh. Star. Oh, promo code AB testing. May. May uh, Orlando, 200 bucks off AB testing. Let's talk a little bit about a couple of the agile test sessions there, if you don't mind. Brent, actually, I'll start off. What is agile testing? Why? It's just <laughs> testing as fast as you can, right? <laughs> Shut the hell up. <laughs> actually, before we go into that one, so as as you mentioned, uh, it's it's Obama's last day today. It, we are recording on Alan's last day. That is all correct. And before we get much further, I have a gift for you. We're still talking about Star, but okay. No. Well, yeah, we're talking about Star, but Gosh. <laughs> it comes with cups. Should I worry? Mm. This is the sound of paper coming out. 
Oh shit, it's tequila. <laughs> I think Brent and I are actually drinking tequila during A-B testing today. <laughs> Happy inauguration day, everybody. Yes, I wanted to... Oh, this is nice. I Ooh. wanted to get that out while there was still an opportunity for Alan to say the forbidden words. We've talked about this before. <laughs> so what I have in my hands here, for those who thought the video feed... <laughs> Second of all, stop looking for the video feed. There isn't one. Is a nice bottle. Oh, beauty. Yes. Uh, this is, I don't drink a lot of hard alcohol, but the hard alcohol that I adore is tequila. And I have a bottle of uh, uh, Patron Añejo, which I don't like the Blanco. So very, very nice. Oh, here. good. This is beautiful. For so, those, it, it, it's uh, Patron Gold. Yeah, holy cow. I'll bring it home. My, my wife also likes tequila. She may just take it from me, but I'm going to hide it in my room, which makes it feel a little weird to have like hidden. Uh, I'm not an alcoholic. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I just really love to be drunk all the time. I don't know how to get it. I'll work on getting it open while we talk. maybe talk about. Uh, do you all right. Get back into the topic here. Yep, we're doing the age-old trick of using your key as a knife. As a saw. I don't have a key. I just have a remote that's shaped like a car. Oh, beauty. Hear that? I'll do that again for the camera, for the, for the microphone. Uh. <laughs> so you remember... Um, so just like pour half the bottle into each cup? No. <laughs> <laughs> so you remember the 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 uh, the drink I invented? What's the drink you invented, Brent? It's N shots of Patron. I call it the group hug. <laughs> <laughs> it's a group hug men can do. All right. <laughs> uh, to my last day at Microsoft, a little toast with plastic cups. I'll do a fake clink here. Clink. clink. <laughs> Cheers, Alan. Cheers. Oh. Oh, that is so good. It is. All right. All right. So what do you want to talk about? Well, I talked about this before. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, shot. No. <laughs> uh, I wanted to dive a little bit into a couple mm -hmm. of the Agile testing sessions at Star East coming up in May. Code AB testing. We'll get you 200 bucks off. Orlando. In Orlando. <laughs> um so I don't know how much you follow the work of Bob Galen. Uh, he's done a lot of work around agile testing and agile, agile in general, figuring out how testers of today fit into agile of tomorrow or really testers of yesterday fit into agile of today. Right. Uh, given a couple tutorials and talks around uh, agile testing, team tactics that deliver the goods, along with Mary Thorne and also with Mary Thorne, agile test team leadership from concept to product. And then he's giving also a talk on test automation strategies for the agile world. So uh, jumping back to the question I had before, where you can give me a real answer. So what do you, what is agile testing? I ask because I think it's one of those things that can mean some different things to different people. Um, I don't want to try to invent a concept, right? The, the, real, the reality is... Um, so when I went to Bing, I went to the dev team, as we talked about, as um, 
throughout the podcast on combined engineering. Um, I didn't have a test team, and I wouldn't go back to that world. The, the, the discussion he's talking about here is, I believe, where you have still the separation of teams, but you operate in an agile world. Or you have an embedded tester on an agile team. Yeah. The, Which um, I think is probably, a, I, I think that co- is a concept used more often. I, perhaps you have, but I haven't observed uh, a team that calls themselves agile that has um, split discipline that just that doesn't do waterfall with sprints. I think so. I think, but to me, when we talk about agile, one of the concepts that I think you got from Safe, which I've loved, is this idea of uh, waterfall is predictive, and then you can do iterative development. But right. agile is adaptive. And right. what I think the role of a tester on an Agile team, which is another way of saying Agile testing, is their role is to be adaptive and to do adaptive testing, figure out what testing needs to get done. And you look at sort of the role on my current team for about six more hours, and my role has been very much to figure out what testing needs to be done uh, no matter who it's done by. So there's like Agile test leadership. Maybe that's a little bit of it. But I think there's a lot of things to learn around sort of what what is the role of someone what is the role of a test specialist on an agile team? If I were to decompose it uh, again, um, I would prefer to have to see some direct experience on this to see teams succeeding in this. But if I were to decompose it, like agile at its nature is about breaking things into smaller shippable chunks mm-hmm. and focusing on ROI first. So with testing, and if you apply that to testing, then you would have a team that's um, not only working on the the high ROI uh, dev code that we're sending out, but also focusing on the high ROI test cases moving out. It it would also, in my uh, vision of this, it would also generally tend towards... Um, reactive strategies, not preventative strategies. Meaning much of how we do testing in in 1993 was we tested everything and we tried to stop it from shipping. Uh, In 2017, I wouldn't be trying to stop shipping. I would be trying to maximize the um, or to minimize the amount of risk that is still valuable. Agreed. I just remembered uh, that it's been like six years ago, I was still in engineering excellence, so at least six, maybe seven years ago. Uh, I remember I gave several talks, to intact talks to teams, and the premise was this. Hey, my team's doing agile, and I'm not sure what to do. Testers, I'm not sure what to have the testers do. And given, in in many ways, to be clear, Microsoft is behind the industry in many things. But as far as dev practices, usually ahead of the curve. I would imagine that there are several, maybe not of the three because they know what they're doing, but many, many testers out there who are team is moving to Agile and they're not sure what to do. 
Going to sessions like this will get you some ideas. Yep. Where do good ideas come from? Uh, multiple ideas coming together. Other ideas. So you need to go, if you're not sure what to do, go suck in the information from all these sessions, merge it with what you've learned on your own team, and come up with your own plan on what what is the best way to be valuable as a tester on an Agile team. In for those going through that immediate transition that you're just talking about, that the answer to that is relatively easy. Uh, and you can even use what you've done in the last year as an example. Your primary job is to pass on your knowledge to the individual developers. Your primary job is to teach those developers how to do their new part of of these new testing requirements uh, so that you can scale to an agile world, right? Um, imagine, so if we were to say agile world uh, with a test, agile testing in a world with continuous deployment, right? That's the thing that, that I think testers today, if you don't have a team that you're on continuous deployment, start researching this because that product development model with continuous deployment, I can guarantee you, is in your future. Yeah. And you have an opportunity right now to be the expert and help set the stage and be ready to run when it lands. Yeah, I think the test role can, can be or really should be the most valuable role on an agile team, someone to, to you need that system thinker. It's almost becomes an architect type role where you're the person looking at how everything fits together end to end. And I guarantee there are teams out there that say they're doing agile and they have a tester on the team and they, everyone checks in code and, and sends mail or a message to that tester saying, test this. I just checked it in. That's wrong. You want to get some ideas on, on what's the right way to do that. Uh, I think there are probably a lot of things uh, like it's been you know, 10 years ago at Microsoft. I introduced uh, my team to unit testing. Yep. That's crazy because most people are doing it for a lot longer. And then I had developers on the team saying, hey, if we're running a bunch of unit tests, what's the test team going to do? And after I recovered from slamming my fist into my face, uh, I told him. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know. That was a long time ago for me now, but it's the memories are still they, they fresh. Come, they come back quickly. <laughs> so I think as teams uh, get into, like, I, I guess guarantee there are a lot of testers will be at start says, my team's doing Agile. I'm not sure what to do. My team's doing Agile. It doesn't feel right. My, you know, it, it's, it's painful for the testers. I think listening to what Bob Galen and Mary Thorne have to say and other talks at Star is going to help out a lot and give you ideas to be successful and not just successful, but to change culture on your team. I think that's super important. I think one of the most important things that agile testing or, or testing in an agile world really helps to do is, again, this ROI focus. Right? You brought up this, this scenario that, that happened to both of us where we were uh, knee-deep in a transformation stage and we got pegged with questions from Dev. Hey, if I'm doing unit tests, what is test doing? Okay, And part of your ROI, the ROI you don't get to define it. The ROI of your job, the ROI of what you produce, you don't get to define it. It's defined by by those you serve. Mm -hmm. OK? 
Okay. And if Dev is coming to you and it's a common practice and saying, hey, if test goes away, or if, if I pick up unit tests, what does test do? That's a clue. The ROI of testing in your environment is wrong. The ROI of testing in your environment is to do the, uh, the crap work that dev doesn't want to do or to be the scapegoat for the organization. Um, these are not valuable to any business whatsoever. And certainly none in this world. Totally agree. So anyway, yeah. uh, highly recommended, uh, regardless of whether your team is doing Agile, you're at you're a Agile pro, or just want to learn a lot about testing, Star East, Orlando, May 5th through 12th, code AB testing, all one word, 200 bucks off. All right. All right. Thank you, Techwell and Star. I'm Actually, I need to do a Star conference this year. So, Allison, Lee, anyone, if you're listening, um, I'm open. Just let me know. I'll have some free time. Who knows? Uh, let's move on. So, as we mentioned before, I think we already covered the fact that uh, Obama and I both have the same last day of work. In fact, we have to end here a little early so I can listen to the inauguration speech on the way back to my office because <laughs> apparently Trump wrote his own. Yeah. Which means there should, should be filled with gold. It will be on YouTube later. <laughs> With auto-tune, et cetera. <laughs> so uh, let's – oh, my gosh. We should talk a lot about my new job, which I haven't started yet, uh, and then go to the mailbag. So one thing I wanted to mention, not on the board, a little bit more about – oh, uh, by the way, I'm wearing a Unity T-shirt today. Nice. I had uh, breakfast yesterday with – my, bo- my new boss's boss, uh, who is in town. He's based in Copenhagen. Ooh, he's Danish. No, I don't think he is. Oh. <laughs> so I'm, I became even more excited. First, the, the product's cool. People love it. Uh, but it is. it just sounds like a really cool place to work. I have to tell you one thing, uh, a couple things he said. That were really interesting, and you can compare and contrast them with Microsoft. He said, "There's no, they're so globally distribute, distributed. They have like they're only like I thought they were bigger. I thought there were three thousand people. They're about fourteen hundred people. Okay, about four hundred and fifty engineers ish. Uh, but they have like twelve, fifteen offices around the the biggest office is like two hundred and fifty. Okay. And he said, "There's no way in an org like this it could be top down. Everything is bottom up. People have." And I've talked about my role at Microsoft for the last 15 years is I figure out what needs to get done, and I do that. And that's the role of pretty much everyone at Unity. Nice. He says, uh, if you show up and there's something else you want to do, that go do that. <laughs> and, and then he told me a great story, which I told my wife this morning. She cracked up. It's just because she's uh, you know been with me for most of my career at Microsoft, and she gets what the soft is like. But to get an idea of how non-top down they are, he says, so if you – Come ask me permission to do something. The first time I'm gonna go, I'm gonna write it off and you know give you a little guidance on, on how you can make your own choices. As long as you're not like losing the company money, you know, make your choices and move on. We rely on people to do that. He goes the second time, I we're gonna have a long talk about it. And if you come to me a third time asking for permission for something, I'm gonna fire you. <laughs> Those weren't the exact words, but pretty close. He did say fire. And <laughs> So, uh, which I love because I, 
uh, I do want to be held accountable for my decisions, but if you, uh, I've been doing this long enough, um, and not, not even experience wise, but as a knowledge worker, as someone who has experience at all, I should be able to make my own decisions. I shouldn't have to go ask for everything. You shouldn't. I mean, um, there's a way to balance that if necessary. I'm sure that, yeah. Right. The, and I'm sure once I get there, I will find that there are checks and balances in place to make sure I can make decisions that won't like wreck the company or, or you know, cost a million dollars. One of the practices. Um, I did order a gold plated laptop. <laughs> Seems like the right business decision. I did not. <laughs> I'm kidding. It, well, yeah, I mean, it's not gold plated, solid gold. Um, <laughs> the there's two things that. Just a minute. We, did we talk about this before? I think we did. What you your story from Unity? No, nope, that, nope. I just want an excuse to take a take a drink. Oh, gotcha. I actually had a a discussion with. Um, one of my peers uh, the other day who who is struggling with their manager. And he, and he came to me and he's like, Brent, what should I do? And I said, here's, here's my philosophy on management. Managers are split into three people, three types in general for me. People like me, three types. Number one, manager generally agrees and does what I say, right? Uh, from a bottoms-up organization, I don't mean does what I say from like a Napoleonic complex. I mean from a bottoms-up, there is an expectation that I know more about my business than my manager does and that I have experience and I'm not just guessing and I have um, the right set of standards where I care and, are deeply, and am deeply focused on the business goals. So – one thing is the manager just generally agrees with what I say. Okay. Um, second, no op, a no op manager doesn't really block me from moving forward. Doesn't really help me. Um, I'm fine with that manager as well. Like I ideally the one that's going to help uh, work actively with me towards a common goal. I'd prefer that. But failing that, a no-op is better. The, the third is a blocking manager where they block either by their action or inaction. Blocking managers, and, when I'm, and he went into, uh, he asked me, what do you mean by inaction? I said, oh, that's very easy. So blocking manager, number one, if he, if he comes into you and says no all the time, they're a blocking manager. You can't live in that environment. There is, that's a heuristic. Your style and your manager's style are not aligned. So either you need to change, as Alan said last time, you need to change your manager or you need to change your manager. Um, and Brent eventually figured out what that meant. I did. The, but the other style of blocking is the passive-aggressive style where you feel like you, you need to get permission from your manager and they defer a choice. Which is just the worst. That is the worst. Um, and I said, like, look, in that particular case, if you feel like you really cannot own your business and move forward without permission from your manager, and they're constantly delaying this, then try this. Uh, for example, uh, he was told, 
that he had an opportunity that his manager was going to prop him up for a specific leadership team. And that action hadn't been taken yet. And that day was his one-on-one. I'm like, go to him and say, hey, I like this action. You haven't taken it yet. Can you tell me who I need to talk to? How do I reduce the friction so that the action you need to take is much smaller? I'll go talk to them and get myself on, and um, they can come back and confirm with you that you sponsored it. right? And he's like, well, he's just going to say, oh, no, I should do it. And I'm like, you got to be more assertive and say, look, you said that last time. Time's a ticking. Let's move forward. I'll take it. You're busy. You don't have to be rude about it. Hey, you keep ignoring me. That You don't have to be an uh, ass about it. You just go, look, I see that you're super busy. I'll take it. It's in my better interest to take it. I'll take this action. Um, but if you find that you can't even do that, it's it's time to go. One other thing that drives me cr- just drives me nuts is anyone in a – and, again, there's a difference between management and leadership – and but all managers should have at least a little bit of leadership. Some managers are great leaders. All managers should be at least have some leadership qualities. Uh, and to me, one of the attributes a leader needs is an ability to make decisions, regardless of the amount of input they have. Uh, it drives me crazy when this people guy can can't make, make decisions. decisions. He can make decisions. He's make he. he he made the decision to prop him up. It's acting on the decision. That was the the, the problem here. Um, and I babbled long enough. There was another point I was going to bring up, but I've forgotten it. Oh, great. Should we uh, – do we have two mailbags? Uh, we might if we have the time. Let's go – let's do the um, – let's do the first one, and I'll, I'll load it up. All right. This is the one from Test Pappy or the other one? Yep. Okay, we'll do that one. I have it up already. Yeah. So, oh – Almost forgot. Mailbag! Actually, there was one comment on the Slack channel that that uh, that I enjoyed. Did, did you not hear me say mailbag? I did. Okay. What, what did you enjoy? I'm gonna I'm gonna do a mailbaglet. Oh, what? <laughs> and and I'll ta- I'll tangenticize your mailbaglet and say. Uh, with the last episode, I actually posted it to the Slack channel, one of the three dot Slack dot com, uh, uh, a day ahead. Yep, just because I want I wanted to give the three a heads up that about the leaving Microsoft thing. But Brent said you should do this all the time. It's like the insider club, and so we may do that. I think I may. Uh, I will. I will post our episode. I love it to one of the three dot Slack dot com. I'll give the link there. Uh, about a day before it goes, uh, before the blog post goes out. Yes. So insider information. So if you wanted, in. if you wanted a day early, join the Slack channel. Exactly. <laughs> or if you don't want it at all, just. <laughs> well, that one I think is pretty easy to solve. <laughs> easy to do. So uh, could you read us? Is it called a slacklet? Oh yeah, the a baglet, um, a brantlet. Uh, it might have been a tangent looking. Tangentlet. Canorum. Norium. Norium. Okay. Uh, suggested to me that I should try to find a different Allen at Microsoft just so that we could keep the podcast. Uh, oh, the podcast is going to keep going. Just so that we can keep the podcast uh, Microsoft only, I guess. doesn't have to be Microsoft only. There was That was never in our contract. No, it never and then it was uh, there was a suggesting suggestion. Then well, then screw that. 
Find another Brent at Unity. Oh, that's a uh, there's a Brett. Is there? Yeah, that's my bo- that's my boss's boss. Yeah. But and I, then I don't I'm like, know how good I was thinking podcast. about I was thinking about this idea about um, about finding another Alan. There's lots of Allens at Microsoft. We have like uh, a no, I, I don't. I mean, no, no, no. I said, you know what? Now, if I were to do that, I wouldn't do another Allen. I would probably um, invite Steve Rowe, partner with him on this front. Oh, it could be BS testing. BS data science. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was <laughs> Okay. And I'm like. It's like a, pod, uh, it's like a podcast spinoff. Yeah, I bet you BS data science would actually get uh, four listeners. And you're keeping the recording <laughs> equipment in your office. You could just like, Steve, come over. <laughs> One of us can figure this out. It can't be that hard. <laughs> I bet you Steve could figure yeah, it out. I, I like that. I, I like, I, B- like BS like... testing. <laughs> Welcome to BS, <laughs> BS data science. <laughs> oh, that could happen. That, that... All right. Actually, I had fully distracted myself. So I already sang the mailbag song. It seems like a long time ago. You but... <laughs> All right. I, I might have to cut and paste it into this section. So but... Patrick says. I can read. It. Go ahead. Go ahead. You're not a very good reader. This but is to you. Sound out the big words. It's, it's time for reflection. This is this is Patrick. It's time for reflection. Alan said a couple of things about reasons and all in 52. So I'd be interested in hearing a bit about personal habits. Yeah, I'm a little uncomfortable with that one. You, you. I'm I'm not. <laughs> Keep going. Or ways of doing things. What do you want to continue doing like at Microsoft? And what would you want to change immediately? Do you find stuff in the past where you said, oh, I want to try this, but in my team, I'm not credible enough for doing that, that you now pull out from a drawer and you try to give it a shot? Now, first, actually, I find that last question Wait, interesting. Is I, there Was there any situation where you had a credibility problem? No. I, I um, wouldn't imagine. Not in a long, long time. Alan does what Alan wants, <laughs> including talking about himself in the third person, which is weird. Try yeah. do it in second person. <laughs> 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 oh, Brent. Uh, right. So I haven't had that problem myself. I'm pretty much, depending on the scope of the change, you may have to do it in smaller chunks or to a smaller audience. Uh, but as far as credibility, I, I, that hasn't been a problem. I've been able to try, again, at least for like the last 10, maybe 15 years at Microsoft, pretty much anything I want to do. If it's a big thing, I do it in small chunks. I don't do like, everybody, we're doing this because I said so. Uh, it's I have a – again, one of the things you do in any leadership position – whether it's uh, a management position or just sort of a technical leader, is you have to figure out the best way to implement new ideas. And it can be an all-at-once thing, but often, especially in a big org, it's a small, gradual thing or a thing uh, that you do either the whole thing across the org in small chunks or you do the thing uh, with a pilot group of small people, small number of people. I have found on the credibility topic that, uh, in particular, I'm guessing when Patrick brought this up, but I have found a problem with that. That seems to be common in in test, 
Right. And an easy solution. Typically, when 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 Test joins a new team, there is, it's far too common that I've noticed where they operate off of, well, it's obvious that uh, I'm the low man on the totem pole, therefore I'm going to have to earn credibility. right? And so they, they themselves start with this idea that they are not credible. Um, I recommend the more the fake it till you make it strategy. That is the story of my life. And that you start from the ground zero with, no, I am a leader in this space. You hired me because I'm the expert. I'm the credible one But you can without make, getting defensive. But you can make a mistake there and go overboard. You go, I'm the credible one. We're doing this and this and this and this. You still need to have small victories without leaving a wake of bodies in your... Uh, no, no, no. It's not about being dictatorial. It's about... Did you say it's not about being a dick? What? Dictatorial. <laughs> it's this is going to be all touchy feely, new agey crap. But right, I don't I'm going to step, I'm gonna step out of the room for a minute. Another way of communicating it. But when you step in, you got to think about your body language, and you got to emanate an aura of confidence and credibility. And you and not that you have to earn it but that you have it immediately and it can be taken from you. Sure. You have to right. – and what you earn is respect. Right. And you do that by making good decisions, not pissing people off, reading body language, paying attention to how you're coming across. And we've talked about this emotional quotient or, or – uh, which a lot of people see as, oh, I just need to make sure uh, I'm not being a dick. But it's really about – Constantly evaluating how you're coming across. These are leadership things. Yep. And 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 reading the reaction of people uh, in the room and reacting in real time. You do this as a speaker a lot in one way, but you do it in a room full of peers or leaders as well too. You you can tell whether they're getting and they're approving. You can look for head nods. You can look for eye rolls. You can which are the obvious ones, but there are other more subtle signs you can look for. And you you need to be able to adjust the way you're coming across and adjust maybe your idea or your goal in real time in order to get that buy off. So let's go back to the completely agree. Let's go back to of course the, you do because I'm right. The meat. Of, I demand. No, sorry. So the meat of I think Patrick's question. Primarily, although the the credibility was a talent tangent on my side, um, that's so weird because we don't do tangents very often. No, I know. Sorry. Um, what's something that that's a practice at Microsoft that you can't wait to introduce Unity to? What's a practice at Microsoft that you can't wait to never have to do again? Those are tough questions because I, I haven't worked at Unity. So the way I work is very adaptive. I'm going to look at what they're doing. I'm not going to go in there and go, we're going to change things to my way. The <laughs> stupidest thing I could do would be go in there and go, I have a way of doing things. That's the way we're going to do. Darn it. Uh, it's about learning and adapting and figuring out where we need to go. Now, I'm sure you're going to identify at least one practice from Microsoft that Unity could pick up and, and move forward on, and then and that you'll probably take a boil the frog strategy. That's this, this yeah. is typically how I've seen you do things. Yeah, I think uh, there may be some things around. Oh wow, here's a there's a type of tool or type of tooling that they're not doing <laughs> that would be really advantageous and solve this big problem they're having. 
but those are very situational sorts of things. There aren't things like, oh, I want to go make sure we have a, a, I'll answer this question in the opposite. I want to go make sure we have a really big bureaucratic process around doing a lot of important things that get in your way. You bring up bureaucratic process, but I, I've had several um, friends of mine that have left to to their own versions of startup recently. And it was interesting to me, um, particularly in one case, they wanted me to come in and um, do an interview loop. So I went and I, I did an informational. And the one thing that was puzzling was just how slow HR was in getting that scheduled. I was talking with the president, so he's a busy guy. Um, I'm generally busy as well. But me and the president sort of closed on um, back and forth and whether or not I, I would be going to that company. And then a week later, HR said, hey, the president would like to talk to you. right? So there's some of these processes that are common that I'm pretty sure you'll go, oh, my God. We, we went back to 1986 in terms of how we do some of these things, and they could be made efficient without being bureaucratic. All right. So let me go back to Patrick's yeah. original question. So go ahead. What do you want to continue doing like Microsoft? I'm sure it'll be in – ask me in two weeks for the next podcast, and I'll be able to name some things like, oh, here's something that worked well at Microsoft that actually is I'm going to implement <coughs> in my work at Unity. But there's, there isn't like – I'm not bringing anything with me in my bag of tricks that like, let's do, th let's do this thing. Uh, and what do you want to change immediately? I Again, it's – the way I work – this is a tough question for me because I don't have like a toolbox that I use and unfold. And, and the only tool I use is uh, learn what's going on and adapt, take everything I know. Going back to what we talked about at Star, uh, the benefits you get from Star uh, – Learn what's going on and reach in my and reach in my big old toolbox and figure out what the right thing to do is for the situation. So I don't have a good answer for you, but I'm, but it is a good question. So I I think we should discuss that again in a few weeks. Uh, I think it'll come up organically, but I don't know what the answer is for those today. I think the so the way I see you operate, and I, and I don't know. It, because it's kind of how I operate, and so I may be um, projecting. Projecting, but both Alan and myself, I think, are fairly good at seeing the critical goal, right? Uh, whether or not the team around us would agree with that goal, right? If we, there are many times where I see, oh, okay, this is a goal that we clearly need to get to. These, the guys that I'm working with do not have experience. If I were to tell them, we're going to do this, they would all run crazy, scared. Uh, it would bring up the credibility issues with Brent. Like, oh, my God, he is well, so out there, so crap. Um, so once you have a clear insight on the goal, the, the next thing you got to do is figure out where you're at. Right? It, you, you tr it's like you're traveling across country. right? It, the map... Yeah, if everyone wants to go to New York, that's great. But you know what? The directions you're going to take depend on where you're coming from. Yeah, one <laughs> of, one of the models I use all the time for organizational <laughs> changes: define the define the desired state, define the current state, 
and figure out the map to get in between and then realize that as soon as you start going down that road, the road may change. So if you you use your map analogy, if I'm in Seattle, I'm going to New York, I can say, okay, I want to go to New York. It's here. I want to go to Seattle. It's here. Here's the path I'm taking. Oh, the road's closed. Okay, I'm going to go another way. I'm going to change as I go along and adapt versus just stop. Right. We're in Washington, and for for the global three, Washington Washington is in the northwest of the United States. Uh, California is in the southwest of the United States. And if we know that metaphorically that we want to go to California, you know what? Sometimes you have to do that by going north. You can drive north to the Vancouver airport and take a flight. Uh, if you have the right equipment, you could potentially find a way to circumnavigate the world. I, I don't. I don't think that's <coughs> actually tangent, possible. Tangent, 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 tangent. No, I'm just saying. It's sometimes the journey and getting to the goal. It's going to be a marathon, not a sprint. And you can't be freaked out by that. No. If I where you are. Hey. I think we're about out of time, Brent. We are. Thank you very much for listening to episode 53 of AB Testing. I'm Alan. I'm Brent. And we'll see you next time. Congratulations, Alan. Thank you. Thank you.